all CEOs, me included, we don't actually know what we're doing. They're all sharks, so all you got to do, though, is no shark bait. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. <laughs> we can capture all of the wallet share. First place you start is with the product. That's just the first nut. This is the Capital Stack. Hey, everybody, this is David Paul, the host of the Capital Stack podcast, where we talk to founders, operators, and investors about all things value creation within startups. Today, I am talking to my man, Pete, and I'm going to mispronounce his last name, so I'm going to let him do it himself. And he is the founder of Iomet. It sounds like it's very European, Iomet. Um, yeah. And uh, he is a, you know, it, it's, I'm going to let him describe it to you, but he was also the CEO of, you know, Arizona Darling Company Tough to Needle, which was a CPG mattress company. And now he's off doing his new venture. Pete, how you doing? Good. Awesome to be here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, it's really good to have you. Look good. You smell good. Wearing nice shoes. Um, data. Yeah. We're talking about data. Tell me exactly about Iomet. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you pronounce it Iomet. Like, I like to say Iomet. Uh, huh? We actually recently recorded a video where we got people from various countries to pronounce the, the name Iomet, which is spelled I-O-M-E-T-E. Mm-hmm. And 50 people said it 50, 50 times differently. So <laughs> you're not the only one. You no, might, you might, there might be a signal to rebrand, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> domains are hard to get mm-hmm. these days. Indeed. Yeah. yeah, but I, I omit actually means uh, small, I was told, in Esperanto language. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are uh, in big data, so that's kind of a nice uh, contrary connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so what we do is we provide a data platform for data-intensive organizations that allow them to compute and store data. Okay, so compute and store data, meaning um, you know you have a, uh, data sources coming in, and it's a way to to, to essentially compress the data or um, uh, to kind of like normalize the data. How do you like? What's the use case? Kind of give me yeah. a, give me a customer use case. Yeah, so our um, core customers are typically data engineers Mm -hmm. or consumers of data in data-intensive organizations. So that means by definition that the organization is um, like Series A or beyond. Mm -hmm. So like at Series A, most companies start to um, hire like their first data scientist, uh, their board starts to ask questions. Um, and that's the moment where the organization starts to become hungry for data. Mm-hmm. Um, at that moment, they usually run analytics on their production database. Mm-hmm. And that typically gets slow and expensive mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, so that's a good moment to start um, exploring uh, the product that we offer. Um, so the way to think about it is really like... Um, a toolkit or a Swiss army knife for, uh, for data. Uh, so it's typically the core of a data stack. So mm-hmm. 
you might remember in the 80s there was like the data warehouse which was kind of like the first version of um, what we offer mm-hmm. uh, what we offer is called and, and for the and for the listener who doesn't know what's the data warehouse yeah so data warehouse is a central repository for data okay so organizations have um, data uh, you know for various purposes so it could be like for finance for sales yeah, different systems different systems different sources um, so the way that uh, the data stack uh, works nowadays is um, there is a central repository so mm-hmm. that's what we offer and then you typically ingest data from different sources mm-hmm. um, we provide that partly ingestion so we call it like uh, um, short tail ingestion because there's also long tail ingestion for very specific uh, data sources but if you want to load data from your operational database into um, iomeet that's that's what we offer in our um, toolkit as well and then uh, we allow you to um, uh, manipulate that data so like um, um, yeah join data from different sources um, and to connect it to, um, in the end, like a BI or a machine learning or AI uh, application. Mm-hmm. So it's really like the core, let's say, compute and storage unit of mm-hmm. your data infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little technical product. It, it is technical, but you know, it's it's super important. You know, everybody talks about Web three. Everyone talks about crypto. You know, and I feel like this chasm, like, like <laughs> we, just, we just missed it. Like, I mean, we talked about it, like McKinsey's writing reports about it, but the adoption curve of really understanding big data and, you know, being able to normalize it mm-hmm. and being able to um, do it at scale. Uh, and, you know, because you can't have really good AI unless you have really good data. Correct. Like for AI and ML, it's really the, the quality of the data also becomes really uh, important. So... Um, in our um, in our platform, there are also like safeguards and quality controls to make sure that your um, data is of great quality. For instance, if you have like a, a self-driving car, right? You you don't want it to uh, make decisions on data that is uh, incorrect. It would lead to big problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then so like I want to talk a little bit about the data stack because you know I'm you know I use these these podcasts selfishly to to learn myself <laughs> and then you mm-hmm. know if, if the listeners like it you know then that's great if they don't I don't care yeah uh, but <clears throat> you know if we're looking at the data stack there's the data warehouse layer and then there's the ingestion engines right that bring in and mm-hmm. I'm sure the normalization kind of sits somewhere in between there mm-hmm. or maybe that's part of the ingestion and then there's like this new category that I just discovered um tomo bravo just purchased it i think it's called like ascension or censure and it's a data catalog oh yeah yeah right and you know they spent i think they spent like you know 16x so they're still buying like idiots and that's why their books down yeah 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 yeah. so i mean can you tell me a little bit just about the data stack yeah so um like if you if you would go to our homepage, actually our uh let's say number one statement is the modern data stack because that's actually what we try to deliver Mm -hmm. but we're a relatively young company so there are certain components that we haven't built out yet is that is your accent fake by the way like no no no, i'm dutch okay Uh, because it sounds really good it sounds really eloquent you gotta you gotta you you gotta voice for podcasting (laughs) 
I was just, I was just, I, you know, if I was to fake an accent, it would be yours. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah well, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I get, people um, know that I'm an accent when I open my mouth, basically. <laughs> and I've been in the US for 15 years, so I haven't done a very great job of getting rid of it. <laughs> okay, so data stack, modern data stack. Yeah, so y you were talking about the data catalog. So that's actually one thing that is included in our data stack already, um, because, um, like my co-founder is the technical guy and he is actually the one that is the ID guy that got to this uh, ID. I joined him a few months uh, later um, and he was working at large organizations. His, the, the last organization he was wor working for was Uber. We have another guy that worked at Google. So we have a couple of guys that worked at larger organizations, engineers, and they encountered all the same problem. And the problem is, um, you have, um, as, as an engineering team, you need to tie together all these different components and you need to purchase them from standalone, um, st you need to purchase standalone solutions from individual vendors. And then you need to all kind of like patch, uh, patch them together, integrate them, which is um, time consuming and it's also very expensive. So what we try to do is um, basically provide an all-in-one solution. So it mm -hmm. also already includes a data catalog. So you can purchase a standalone data catalog from typically like a VC-funded uh, party. Uh, but those things have typically like a lot of bells and whistles um, and will not provide full value for every organization. Like it might, it might be a great value if you're like uh, pretty far along in your data journey and you have an experienced data engineering team. But when you're like a series A company and you just have like three or four engineers and you're building out your engineering team, um, you don't need all those bells and whistles. So we have like 80-20 that and provide the, uh, the key features sure. already in our platform. Yeah, you're you're bundling, you know, a platform and selling it, you know, lower, you know, not to enterprise. Yeah, and I think you know the, the other thing that I would like to emphasize is there are um, data is a hot space, so there are um, a couple of other parties out there that um, also provide all-in-one solutions. But what they have done is they build it on existing solutions like Snowflake and Fivetran, <laughs> and what then happens is. Right you basically pay two bills, right? right? You pay the Snowflake bill plus their bill. So it gets very expensive. So is that and a lack of VCs doing lack of technical due diligence or like, are, are they gonna, is, is, is the roadmap saying, okay, we're just gonna see if we can provide this and then no, I validate it and then rebuild it? That, that's, that's very interesting. I, I think this is a very interesting topic that, that is even tied to macroeconomic environment. Like what we have seen over the past 10 years is um, a lot of cheap money, right? So VCs uh, love, are in love with B2B or enterprise software typically. And why is that? 78% margins, 70 to 80 or higher, sometimes 90. And um, long customer lifetime value, right? Once you're in with a sticky product, you can be there for five, six, seven years. And people buy it without their own money. Yes, that's the other thing, for sure. Yeah, and that's an important uh, dynamic. Uh, but as you're well aware, you know, over the past year, things have changed drastically. So we have seen that big, 
even like big tech is doing big lay- layoffs. You see that um, later stage um, st- uh, scale-ups are now um, yeah, probably having to do a down r- round or an equal round or you know they're laying off people. So organizations are becoming more cost-conscious. At the same time, data is growing. So what we chose to do is not to build on top of existing solutions because we think um, a low price, which is the cost to the user, is also very important. So what we did is we leveraged open source technologies. So for instance, we use um, an open source table format by the name of Apache Iceberg. We use um, um, yeah, some, uh, some interesting modern open source solutions which um, provides a lot of benefits to the user. Well, one of them is we are able to offer at a way lower price than proprietary software. And it also provides a lot of flexibility because um, it's just easier to integrate with other stuff. Plus you have like this whole uh, community of engineers all working on this technology. So the technology also advances faster than um, would be the case when you go in into proprietary direction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, when you think about um, building out your product and kind of bundling your platform and going to market, I mean, going to startups and you know, Series A, Series B players makes sense. Now, are you are you just kind of like making? Are you giving them data for their customers? Or are you giving them data for themselves? How does that work? Um. Great question. Both. Uh, we now we recently onboarded um, a new customer that is um, their business model is they uh, basically provide analytical services to individual retailers in the Midwest. So they have, I think, like 500 or so supermarkets that are their customers, like individual supermarkets or like small chain supermarkets. And they uh, provide, um, you know, merchandising analytics and all that stuff. So in that case, um, it becomes price is also very important for them, right? Because they buy basically our platform, and our platform is pay as you go. So you pay uh, per compute hour per node. Um, so we are their cost price. So that's very attractive for them because we allow them to basically capture more gross margin and they sell those analytics then to other companies. Yeah, so I find that, that like that's super interesting. So when you're thinking about data companies, like, like software companies that sell to businesses because they have data, like for instance, I just bought an incredible piece of software called Grata mm-hmm. and they, uh, it's for sourcing bootstrap companies. And um, they, uh, you know, the data that they get is not their data. It's, you know, it's an agglomeration of, you know, LinkedIn and Crunchbase and, you know, yeah. web crawler. And, and, and they also, but they also have this really great, um, you know, scraping technology that kind of scraped the whole internet. And then they've got this like yep. scraping layer on top of this database, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about like the value of your software, Mm-hmm. What is the value? Like, is it is it because the data is not yours? It's not proprietary. Is it how you ingest the data? It's how like the application of, of the, how the data is being processed. Like, how do you think about really what the value driver is for a data company? 
not your data company, but like a software that's giving, providing data to like an end consumer? Um, so, um, okay, I'm not sure if I understand the question. Okay, yeah, let me, let me rephrase. So mm -hmm. let's pretend that I'm a data company that can take, that takes, you know, healthcare claims, and I can understand, you yeah. know, how healthcare claims, and I cross-pollinate that with uh, real estate and where people live. And then I can actually help hospitals determine where to set up clinics, right? Yep. Let's use that as a use case. The data sources themselves are not proprietary, mm -hmm. right? So where is the value within that company? Is it how they ingest the data? Is it how they normalize it and then create an application for the end customer? Like, how do you think about that? Um, yeah, so first of all, that's not what we do. Yeah, right? I know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think the value there is that um, um, it's almost like um, preparing a cocktail, right? So mm -hmm. they purchase several ingredients and then have like a certain amount of creativity to, uh, you know, a recipe to, to make, make the cocktail. And then you have a very nice cocktail <laughs> <laughs> right. that people want. Right, exactly. <laughs> and there is nothing wrong with that. But you uh, could be the until, shaker. But you could be the shaker. Yeah, but un, 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 the, the thing with that is like, couldn't anyone do that? Like how, how proprietary, how special what type of a mode do they really have? Mm -hmm. For instance, um, Snowflake, you know, which is our, uh, which is a, a, another player in this area, they've been around for 10 years and what they try to do now is uh, create what they call data cloud. So they try to do exactly what you describe, right? So you can like access Nielsen data, mm. other data, mm -hmm. and then you know, mix all of that and then come up with your pri proprietary product. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason that they do it is they want everyone obviously in their, On their, in their ecosystem in their ecosystem, and lock them in with proprietary data, which mm. is, um, anyway, yeah. Um, but that, that's definitely like a popular thing that I recognize. But I, my question would be like, how defendable is it if... Mm -hmm. If um, parties like Snowflake try to promote that as well, like couldn't I just spin up uh, a Snowflake instance and combine those data sources too and start to sell them, right? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So then it becomes, then it comes down to price pretty mm -hmm. quickly. It becomes commoditized. Right. So that's kind of how I think about, you know, because I've been looking a lot at like verticalized data companies, right? Yeah. And it's like, if you're building a data company, like where's the data coming from? And you know, is there value in how, like, the data parsing and the data cataloging in a way that, you know... Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that that could be something. You know, because I think the puck is going from a vertical perspective towards verticalized data companies. Like, you know, especially those with higher regulations, aerospace, healthcare. Yeah. Um, but if you think about data as a product, that's what you're doing in the, mm -hmm. in, with that business model. Wouldn't you want to produce that data at one point? It, let's assume it's very easy to combine data sources, mm -hmm. which it's not entirely right. yet, right? But that's where it's going to. Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't then in the end, wouldn't you cho choose for the provider that can just give you that at the very lowest price, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, well, th you'd have to provide additional value, right? Like, yeah. you, like the, you know, the application would have to have some kind of be somehow integrated with the workflow. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. And that would be the kind of the conduit. For sure. Cool. So what about, you know, I mean, I've been, you know, I'm not very smart. So like this. You are. (laughs) We all know. So I, I, uh, I've been, you know, trying to dip my toes into like thematic investing. Right. And Mm -hmm. really looking at where the puck's going, you know, where's their opportunity, um, what's hype, what's bullshit, what's not bullshit. And I've been looking in, you know, sort of, you know, more inelastic markets that aren't going to be super recessionary. Right. And, you know, um, for some reason, I've been seeing this boom in utility companies, believe it or not. And I think it's a lot of that tailwinds or, you know, build back better money, you know, that's coming in these like, you know, our, our pipe infrastructure is, is like all deteriorating, right. The power lines are getting deteriorated. So there's a need, right. You, you, you don't believe that? Well, I, I recently listened to another podcast. Typically, I listen to yours, but I, I catch a couple <laughs> li- of other who, who ones else as well. do you, Who else do you listen to? Now, this, I think, was uh, Shamat. Uh, he has a very complicated last Polly name. Hapatia? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. How about that? I'm a fanboy. I love yeah, that. Yeah, no, he's, he's very, very intelligent. And he was talking, actually, about energy. It's one of the sectors that he's mm-hmm. interested in. And he said that with his new... Um, I, I think Biden calls it BT inflation bill, but mm-hmm. the bill that right. was like a, a trillion or one right, and a half right, trillion. Right, right, right. There is a lot of money in there for uh, solar, like for personal. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So his uh, thesis is that the cost of energy is going to move to zero. Oh, interesting. And that would be a big disruptor then for utility companies. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Chamath also, you know, is, no, you know, noticeably heavily invested in solar and is a known pump and dumper. But, you know, it, for, okay, yeah. for my uh, for my purposes, um, I was looking at water. Water? Yeah. Oh, no, water is um, there is actually a very uh, cool company that I would like to bring to your attention. I don't know if I can come up with a name, but what they do is they basically uh, it's a Dutch company and they pass. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. They, 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 I think it's called Water... Well, we can add it to the show notes later, but okay. I think it's called like Water Loop or something, but they're big in water reuse. I like that. I love that. Yeah. For like on a residential level. Oh, nice. Like in your house. Nice. Like, yeah, very cool product. No, it's yeah. super cool. But, you know, I was taking a look at... Um, I forgot what we were talking about. Thematic investing, mm-hmm. kind of where the puck is going, and... I was reading in, in these industry reports about um, how data is being used within water utility companies, and you know the main message was there's more data than they can do with. What do they do with it, right? And then I think about you know the products that are going out to market, you know that need to be a ninety percent, eighty percent, ninety percent gross margin business, you know. Like, yeah, here's here's what we do. How can we combination? Then you have like, you know, the people saying, well, we really don't know like the application to do it. So then there's a huge managed service layer. Mm-hmm. Right. Which yep. makes me believe, you know, and I'm this is me trying to pump my own investment thesis. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that. A smaller, a smaller out of the box product that we're, we're like, OK, we know the industry well enough. This is like what you're dealing with. Like, here you go. Yeah. Right. Is is something that's a, a value as opposed to a big snowflake, big instance. I got to hire a, a consultant that's going to dig into my business. And then, you know, I have to pay him five hundred thousand dollars to implement snowflake, you know. Yeah. 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 I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I, I think um, 
I agree to a certain level, right? Like if you focus on a niche, it allows you to tailor more to a specific use case. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, it will probably resonate better mm -hmm. with a potential customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so like in for on a horizontal basis, is there always going to be a need for a managed services layer? Like, do you see that your customers, you know, have the data, they just don't know what to do with it? Like, are you running into that? Um, yeah. So what we're talking about, like in a bigger setting is basically cloud, right? Right. The, the data cloud. So this all started 12 years ago with AWS. Mm -hmm. And since then, uh, Google has followed with Google Cloud and Microsoft with Azure. Mm -hmm. um, but what these um, entities are great at is uh, basically providing um, mass storage and compute capacity, right? Um, and the advantage for customers is that it's scalable, etc. cetera. Uh, but what they're not very good at is, okay, let's say you're that water company or whatever, and now you want to build a data infrastructure. There is still so many um, very detailed, um, so much information you need as an individual, let's say as a data engineer, to build an effective data infrastructure that, there, that those three companies left a wide open gap for others mm -hmm. to build on top of them. And I don't think that's going to change. In fact, I think there's going to be more like... Um, solutions built on top of that and uh, over the past few days aws um, did a their big uh, conference i think it was called reinvent or something they're they're perfectly fine with that right they they make like what is it 25 percent operating margin and that's insane they're growing yeah 30 uh, percent yeah <laughs> so crazy. yeah so why why would you disturb that mm -hmm. you know their, their, their partners are they're partners. Mm -hmm. they're, they're their customers. Yeah, they're doing well. Yeah. They're doing well. So just to tie a bow on it, data warehouse, data ingestion, BI to a certain extent. Um, well, initially we had included BI as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we have, we still have a very kind of like simple out of the box BI solution that smaller organizations can work with. But BI, um, there is a couple of very big, powerful players out there. Uh, Domo, Tableau. Domo, Tableau, Power BI, Looker, mm -hmm. and they've done a fantastic job. And organizations are already used to working with those type of tools. So we have determined that that is kind of out of scope mm -hmm. for us. Sure. Yeah. And then, but just in general from the tech stack, so who, who else, who else, what other function out, that data catalog, where, where else is their applications within big data? in that space. You mean in the context of IOMIT or in general? In general. Um, yeah, so if you if you look at the type of solutions in the big data, there is, um, so the, 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 the storage and compute. Uh, so that uh, is like what in the 80s was a data warehouse that has then moved to uh, a data lake and now has become um, uh, a lake house which basically combines the benefits from a data warehouse and a lake house so it really allows you to dump all your data structured data unstructured data hr finance 
um, video format, doesn't matter, it goes all kind of like in the same repository. Mm-hmm. So that is like one, uh, I would say, the core component of any data stack. That's what we, um, where that's the area that we focus on. Then there is ingestion. So ingestion is, uh, well, a word kind of speaks for itself. Uh, sometimes it's called ETL. So this is like get data from Salesforce in that lake house or that data lake or the data warehouse, right? So go from third party um, data sources into the, the lake house. Um, that um, is also a specialized area. So there are players like Fivetran and Airbyte that are specialized in that. Um, then you have like data monitoring tools mm-hmm. that serve um, to make sure that the quality um, um, is 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 um, great. Uh, there is data catalogs and uh, PI. Those are kind of like the the, 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 the core pillars. components. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we uh, for now what we include is that uh, central data um, storage and compute. So the central repository, the data catalog, because those two mm-hmm. are very very uh, much tied together. We also provide data access control, which is becoming more and more important with mm. things like GDPR and HIPAA and, you know, the privacy of, of data, uh, but also, um, yeah, just making sure that the right person has access to the right uh, data. And that's kind of like a layer that we have laid on top of uh, the data where, or the, the data lake house. Why is it that like GDPR is a big deal, but like anybody can like send me like a, a, a political ad on my text message? Um, those are probably not GDPR compliant <laughs> parties that sent you that. Okay, yeah. so that's not a loophole. They're they're breaking the law. Well, we're not in Europe, you know. GDPR is only Europe, so here it would have to be uh, the. Uh, I think California. Yeah, there's a California thing, yeah, the right? CCPA or something. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. right. Um, cool. So how'd you go from being a leader of a, you know, one of the biggest direct-to-consumer mattress companies to big data? You want to talk a little bit about your oh, transition? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, um, I was uh, CEO of Tuftonino from 2016 Till we uh, basically exited at the end of 2018. Um, after that, um, I stay. I stayed on for a year uh, under new ownership, but uh, um, the atmosphere changed dramatically. Yeah, PE's uh, got a lot of value destruction involved into it. Yeah, uh, for, yeah. <laughs> you know the story. You know how it goes. Um, but still a great company, still a great brand. I, I still have a bunch of friends that work there and, and do a great job. Um, but then uh, I actually decided to start um, an AC, a residential HVAC company with a mutual friend. Um, and the timing of that venture was incredibly unfortunate because it was like we, we, we bootstrapped it. So we put our own money in and then... We had developed a product, uh, we had hired our first technicians, and then COVID hit and the supply chain came to a halt. Mm-hmm. And that uh, was kind of like one of those uh, out of left field events that we had not included in our business plan, <laughs> so we ran out of money and uh, decided to, to, to stop that. Um, 
actually, I met uh, Fuzal, my co-founder, who is the, the CEO and the technical brain behind what we do, um, through a mutual friend. He lives in Amsterdam. And uh, I invested in his pre-seed round, so when he started this project. And over the past, um, you know, I, um, I, I just kept in touch with him. Like, uh, we, we, we became friends and we talked about business and startups and all that. And then um, at one point, um, yeah, we decided to, to, to uh, do this together, which was, I think, August of last year. And then uh, we got into Y Combinator early this year, which was a great experience. Um, we, after that, we raised some money and we were able to hire um, some engineers because before that, the MVP was really built by almost Fuzal alone. Um, and he, he worked on that for a good year. Um, and over, yeah, over the past uh, months, we have been able to mature our product significantly, and it's now being used by a couple of customers. And uh, we're now um, quickly transitioning to commercializing it. So 2023 becomes kind of the year of truth for us when it comes to customer acquisition. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and that's where um, I think you know my experience with. Um, growing a company in a bootstrap, bootstrapped fashion, uh, you know, being very scrappy and um, making sure that we run an efficient customer acquisition machine, I think will come in handy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's where we are uh, right now. And I think we're pretty close to signing up our first uh, big customer, which is a telecom company. So that, that would be major for us because it would probably add like half a million to our ARR. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully that happens over the next weeks. Yeah. yeah, that would probably be a pretty sticky customer. Yeah, yeah. I think they all are in the end. Like mm -hmm. we, have, we haven't lost anyone yet. So that's good. That's Perfect. a good sign. Yeah. Awesome. A uh, couple can questions. Pete, what is your favorite book? Uh, probably The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Oh, nice. You're probably, the only, right. you're probably the only one who can pronounce that correctly. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I speak Portuguese. My wife is Brazilian. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and then what is the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Um, I would say customers first. Mm hmm You guys bled that tough to needle, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the Capital Stack. We drop an episode every Tuesday. Uh, please like, subscribe, share. Um, I'm like number like 80 in India for like top test, top tech podcast. Oh, you said 20. Oh, no, dude. No way. Dude, are you kidding me? I probably <laughs> lied to you to get you on the show. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. All opinions expressed by David and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of DWP Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. David and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast.